born, yo. What we done started. Look at what we done started. This the people party. Philadelphia, how y'all feeling? 215, how y'all feeling? How y'all feeling? How y'all feeling? How y'all feeling? Gather around, gather around. This is a very, 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 very special, very special people's party, very special. First of all, make some noise for the Roots crew from Philadelphia. I gotta shout out my man Sean G. Without my man Sean G, without what you about to see, would not be going down. Shout out to Sean G from the Roots crew. Now, I'm gonna get right into it because your time is valuable. You could have been anywhere else watching anything, but you chose to spend your time right here with us. So I'm gonna get right into it. Today's People's Party here live at the Roots Picnic features my brother, my mentor, my OG, my family, one of my favorite human beings on the face of the planet Earth, my favorite rapper, your favorite rapper, from the award-winning Roots crew, from the Tonight Show, he is an actor. See, on his, on his latest album, on this man's latest album, with Leon Michaels, he says, if you can't see the poetry, then you are the poem, which means he's a man of the people. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to give your best, loudest, proudest Philadelphia love. This is the city of brotherly and sisterly love, is it not? I want you to show me that brotherly and sisterly love for Reek G's, T-Metaphor, Reek Ruffin, the Monarch of Melanin, the talented Mr. Trotter, Bad Lieutenant, all the way live from the 215. You call him Tariq. Give it up for Black Thought. <laughs> all right, okay. I see what's going on. Oh, no, 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 I'm a real fan. Oh, man, you broke the names out, huh? Yeah, T-Metaphor. T-Metaphor, wow. Word up, word up, word up. Yeah. Let's not even get it to Hawk Smooth. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, shout out to Black Thought. Make some noise for Black Thought, y'all. First of all, I want to thank you for being such an inspiration. I want to thank you for showing me so much love throughout the decades. On my first album, how many people got my first album? This man is on a song called Gorilla Monsoon Rap. This man is on the Respiration remix for Black Star. This man is on my record, Art Imitates Life. And um, I've been on many, I've been on many Roots songs. Mm -hmm. um, I've been on two Roots albums twice. I said after the Roots got on uh, tonight's show, I said I do more shows with the Roots to Carol Lewis, and right. um, <laughs> I'm on phrenology. Now I was on a song called Double Trouble, featuring Yasin Bey and Tariq Trotter here. Yeah, yeah. And these niggas took me off the song. <laughs> so I'm gonna start by saying thank you, because when you took me off the song, it made me a better MC. Wow. But the first time you and I, you and me ever sat down and broke bread and talked yeah. was because of that situation. So I wanted to get your side of that. Um, you know, I mean, and again, I mean, again, this is like 55 years ago. <laughs> but as I recall, okay, I know Yasin through Santi. Santi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Santi White. Santi Gold. Santi Gold, my fellow Philadelphian. We came up together and she introduced me to Yasin you know, back in the day. Through that sort of relationship, yeah, and I think also through Ocean, yeah, right? Yeah, shout out to Ocean. Yeah. Another friend Man, of mine. Ocean. Yeah, another, yeah, yeah, uh, another, another uh, Brooklynite. I sort of connected with, with Yasin, and when we were going to the studio that day, I was just un really under the impression that I was getting in there just really quick. Right. To, you know, well, I mean, now, having known me all these years, you know how I am about time. Right, right, right. So. I don't know what else I had going on, but I think the intention was to get in, get this, you know, song completed with Dante and, and, and bust a move. And I got there and I was just hoping that he wasn't, you know, like sometimes most be motion. Right. You know what I mean? And I, was I do. Just like, All right, I know exactly know. what you mean. So, and as I recall, I don't know if it was, if this was the same day is we had a session together, me and Dante, we were getting ready to record. And he said, you know what? He said, he said, man, I want a fish sandwich. You want a fish sandwich? <laughs> Almost definitely. I said, yeah, I can go for, I'd go for a fish sandwich. And he disappeared to go and get this fish sandwich from the best place. He had talked it up for like 10 minutes, and then right. he disappeared, and he never came back. 
you know? So I think it was like some element of that, of me just wanting to get it over with while I had him there. I think um, we had already agreed also on the concept of the song being double trouble, right. not triple trouble. <laughs> so, right. you know, for you to hop on the record, at least at that moment, would have taken just a whole reconfiguration right. sort of thing. So I was, I think I was just, uh, you know, I don't even know if it was visibly, but I was just like, what the fuck? But it was, it right. was really, it was a most thing. And it wasn't like I, you know, didn't want to do a song with you. It was just like, we had already agreed. And we, you and I didn't have a relationship. I hadn't, I hadn't met you at this point. No. When I laid this verse, I met Questlove. And shout out to Questlove, because he still thanked me in the album credits. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Carly was also on this song. Um, you were seen by people in the audience, by a lot of people in hip-hop, as the best MC in the game. The best. And I feel like you being the best, hip-hop is kind of too small for you. And now you're growing into working in different mediums. Yeah. Whether it's acting, who saw him and Get On Up, and... And Brooklyn Babylon and all that. <laughs> and uh, you also wrote a play. Wow. Now, this play, I saw you in the studio. I went to visit you in the studio. And I saw you working on this play. And for people who don't know, like, I'm a fan of musicals. This man wrote the whole musical. But in the studio, how MC would demo up a, a track, he demoed up the musical. So he played me the, the Black Thought, Black No More musical. <laughs> Dr. Junius Crookman was the name of his character. Right. He played me the musical but with him singing all the parts. Yeah, yeah. That made me feel like MCs are the greatest minds in the world. Right, yeah. I had to even, you know, crossing disciplines to sort of work in another medium, I still had to, uh, you know, like the process is the process. So the way I sort of put things together um, was the only way that I really knew to work. So I had to apply that to this new space because it was my first time, uh, you know, composing, arranging, and really writing lyrics for that many different voices to speak at the same time. Right. So yeah, I would have to like demo it out in my own voice to, you know, just to see how it was going to go. And then also to give to the actors so they right. could understand the nuance, you know what I mean? But yeah, for the whole uh, Black No More play, there's a version of every number with just me doing all the voices. Like. <laughs> That session, you also played me a song which you doing a bunch of different voices of different MCs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that ever going to come out? Oh, you know, we, I think we put it out. I mean, kind of soft released it. Okay, I need um, to go find that. It was a bonus sort of thing with one of our 25th, 25th or 30th anniversary uh, okay. box collections that, that have come out in the past couple years. But yeah, we did it because I remember uh, Amir mixed it, mixed it up. Okay. Yeah. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I think it's called, it's called, um, he do. It's My man called right every, there. every MC, right? Or I'm every, every MC. MC. Yeah. I'm going to go find that. Um, now, I've heard you speak about being in the Roots. And first of all, the Roots is the greatest hip-hop group of all time, in my opinion. Thank you, Thank you brother. Um, so many people have springboarded off the Roots. The Roots have been so important in terms of connectivity and making sure we all stay together. Yeah. Um, you know, I got the Native Tongues hoodie on, but just OK Players, Soulquarians, just the collective of it has always been very important. But I've heard you speak about, because The Roots was a live band, yeah. because we in hip-hop, that the MCs in The Roots, not just you, but the other MCs around The Roots, were yeah. sometimes put in a box, and people didn't really understand how ill y'all pen was and give y'all your props. Can you speak to the audience here in Philly about how being associated with a live band created a challenge for you being taken seriously as an MC. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we really, I mean, want, being associated with a live band was one of the challenges, but another one was just, you know, also trying to, you know, come from, uh, you know, a place where there wasn't necessarily uh, a platform at that time. There wasn't as much of, of a scene. So the whole, you know, something out of, out of nothingness of it all uh, was, right. was, was also um, a challenge. But yeah, you know, the roots, um, that me, Malik B, all the MCs that, you know, have been associated with my collective. We always been super nasty, but, um, you know, not necessarily the most photogenic, you know what I mean? <laughs> not necessarily the, 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 the least motley crew. So there was that. That was a challenge, too. So we show up, you know, looking funny, not even, you know, looking like, why do we even know one another? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then with the upright bass and then with Quest with the drums, and it was a, it was a lot. So, um... Yeah, it, it, it presented uh, its share of challenges during the, an era 
where, you know, hip hop and you really just culture was so much about, um, you know, assimilation, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel like it developed you to the point where people say you're the greatest MC alive <laughs> because of the challenge. Here's the thing, here's, a, what, here's the thing, here's the thing. I think, I think what, what developed me to, you know, to where people feel as I'm the greatest MC alive is just uh, is the test of time, having stood the test of time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I became, I have become great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I also just as far as, you know, just to, to speak to uh, what you said a, a, a couple minutes ago, um, you know, a testament to the roots, like, you know, what makes the roots one of the greatest bands of all time is that, you know, we, we stay together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, we stay together. You know I yeah. mean, cats be breaking up, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And you just told me, I didn't notice, but I hope Philadelphia noticed, noticed this, that where y'all used to busk outside on the street is now called the Avenue of the Roots. Yeah. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. A beautiful thing. Now, on this song, Fuel, from Volume 3 with Leon Michaels, which is a great project, right? No, Volume 3 is with Sean C., Yeah, yeah, right? Sean C., Sean Shout C. Shout out to Sean C. Thought. Yeah. Um, Fuel is one of your few very personal songs, mm -hmm. I feel like. In the song, you talk about family. You yeah. share with us certain things. Yeah. You say, I identify with the dead and the living. Yeah. And then you go on to talk about your mother and your father in the song a little bit. Yeah. Um, these can be difficult topics, so forgive me if you don't want to get too much into nah, it. Nah, nah, it's all good. Um, but... Your, your father lost his life when you were one years old? Yes. And your mother lost her life when you were in high school? Yes, yes, 15 That's, or six, 16. 15. That seems very, very tragic and difficult to deal with at such a young age. And I want to know if you could speak to that impact on you and maybe give advice for people who might have lost people at that early age. Um, you know, Kwai, I think we all deal with loss um, and, you know, just sort of cope and, and grieve in, in our own ways. And I think a lot of a lot of how I sort of dealt with uh, you know losing my mother as a young person is probably attributable to just the the, the social climate that you know, we were immersed in back then and sort of you know what we had. I feel like right now because of um, we're living in times of such sensory overload that you know the way we cope you know what I mean the way we cope and the way young people cope is just is different. Yeah. But um, for me, uh, you know, thankfully, uh, at that point in my life, I'd already discovered the arts mm. and that had become, you know, sort of my my, my saving grace. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it was it was uh, the art that sort of gave me those first glimpses beyond the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, even if from, like momentarily, I used to come here on Saturday mornings and take art classes in the summer. You know, mm. the classes would start like eight or nine in the morning. We'd be yeah. out, like right here where the Roots Picnic is now, right here. That's crazy. I'd be out here when I was like 10, 10, 11 years old. I would get home, you know, maybe noon on, on a summer day. And my homies would just be waking up, you know what I'm saying? And I think that sort of instilled in me that, you know, I could there's a balance to be achieved, right? Like I could go, I could hustle, I could work on my craft. And, you know, when I got back to the block, Cash was gonna still be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't like yeah. the whole the, the FOMO, you know what I mean? I wasn't missing yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for opening up and sharing that with us. I appreciate it. Um, yes, indeed. Um, you mentioned a love for the arts. And yeah. I've yeah. also heard you speak about the origin of the name Black Thought. Yeah. And yeah, Black yeah, Thought yeah. is a very powerful name, one of the best names in hip hop. Yasin Bey always says that's the best name in hip hop. And I've heard you speak about Black Thought being inspired by your time as an art student or doing doing visual arts yeah. and breaking down how people don't look at the full spectrum of what the black palette could be when it comes to art. So I wanted you to break that down a little bit. Yeah, you know, um, the origin of the name Black Thought, I mean, it's really just that. Um, it began as something, you know, where I was just dealing with the palette every day, dealing with paints, just, you know, different creating colors and, you know, just working with the color spectrum, sometimes having to, you know, arrive at something that felt black or, you know, deeper or more rich darkness. Right. Um, and yeah, and I was playing, I mean, as we were talking about earlier, I, I had a lot of names that just didn't stick. Right. They weren't, you know, I wasn't supposed to go through a 30-year career being called <laughs> Hawk Smooth. You know what I'm saying? Or uh, T-Metaphor, <laughs> MC Apex, or any of that shit that, you know what I'm saying? Got some MC Apex fans. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, you know, when I arrived at Black Thought, it just felt like something that, you know, would have weight, and there was a certain gravitas that, uh, you know, 
over time became associated with the name just because it 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 started to take on a meaning of its of of its own. You know what right. I'm saying? Um, and it's sort of it's a triple, double, triple, quadruple entendre of right. of, of, of so sorts. many layers. Yeah, to yeah, it's definitely yeah. it's a lot of layers to the name. You know, so um, yeah, and you know, I mean, I, I always wanted to whatever I wound up calling myself. I wanted it to be something that uh you know I could be proud of and that you know wasn't gonna you know, feel. Like something that was I hopped on because it was trending, you know what right. I'm saying? And now I'm stuck as a grown man calling myself <laughs> some shit that y'all know me as. <laughs> you know. No doubt. Um now let's talk about Hawk's move for a second though. Uh, we gotta talk about it because uh, give first of all, break down the origin of Hawk's move. Okay. Here's the thing. Uh one of my fa- a couple of my favorite MCs uh when I was a kid were Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite songs from Kane was uh, the song Set It Off, right? Let it roll, get bold, I just can't hold back, back the fold. I'm, I'm the man with soul, in control, what affects what the heck, heck rock the disco tech, tech in the group. Right. Yeah. So after that, so you, and you know why I appreciated MCs like Kane and G-Rap is because of just that, like the timelessness of their pen. I could say that rap, I could kick Set It Off right now over a different beat. And you know it'll start. It'll be a trending topic. You know what I mean? Cats mm-hmm. be like, "Yo, it's a new viral video. Black Thor kicked the ill bar." <laughs> and it's some shit that somebody you know wrote in 1986, 87. Right. And um, I feel like there's something that's been lost in that. You know what I'm saying? A lot yeah. of a lot of artists are just less concerned with the timelessness of of it all of of their craft. You right. know. Um, but at the end of that uh, song, set it off. Kane starts shouting out his homies, and he shouted out the first two people he shouted out was a person named Hawk. And a person named Smooth. And I was like, oh shit, Hawk Smooth. I thought that Hawk was Smooth. Ill. I kept pulling it back. <laughs> like, Hawk Smooth, that's ill, that's it. But then I said, you know, it'll be corny to just say, um, you know, like, I got my name from the end of this Big Daddy Kane song when he's shouting out these people that I never met. So I said, man, let me break it down. You know, um, let, let me turn it into an acronym. So I said, <laughs> I said what, what could Hawk Smooth stand for? And I said, yo, man, how, oh man. Thought about it. I said, ooh, I'm gonna shut shit down. I said the hype African warrior <laughs> kicking it smooth. <laughs> and that was it, you know? No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a backronym. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> a backronym. A backronym. A black renim. A black renim. There we go, right. there we go, there we go. A black renim. That's a new one. Quiet. Now, what, what, yeah. What'd you call yourself before you just decided to go to government? Yeah. Uh, I was. MC Genesis, <laughs> because my words became flesh. <laughs> That's good. And, and then I was Tyler Kweli after that. Uh, one of my favorite root songs is Boom, oh, where yeah, you're, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you're doing Big Daddy Kane and G-Rap. And I feel like for, we're going to get into the weeds of this MC shit, because with this MC shit, there's a lineage, you know? And then mm. there's this Rakim, who Clark Kent famously said, Rakim made us stop rapping and made us start rhyming. Yeah, shout out Clark Kent. I saw Clark Kent today. Oh, word. I, Clark yeah, he, Kent is here? He's here. Oh, shit, okay. I got to see Clark. Um, after Rakim, it goes Kane and G-Rap, that era, for me. Yeah. Kane and G-Rap, you're the direct descendant of them. Yeah. Big Pun is a direct descendant of them. I agree. This is rap lineage. If you listen, you can hear it all interwoven. Here's G-Rap said about Black Thought. He heard Black Thought performing Men at Work. I never really liked to perform it that much because your breath control gotta be crazy. But someone <laughs> sent me a clip of the roots. Black Thought did three fucking verses and I couldn't believe it. He killed that shit. Right? <laughs> How does it make you feel that the OGs that you're in the lineage of feel that way about you? It, um, it's an honor. It's an honor, bro. It makes me feel that, you know, this thing that has been bestowed upon me, right, this blessing, you know, that that I have to sort of to move through life and that I'm also able to feed my family and put my kids through school off of, um, it's also, it serves such a greater purpose, so many greater purposes, yeah. one of which is just, you know, just the whole, it's about the lineage and the legacy of it all and the serving as, as a griot. And those stories, right? You know, these are our Shakespeare's, right? Yes. These are our, like these are our great writers. Yes. And if we don't keep those, yes. uh, you know, compositions alive, then you know some of that is going to be lost in the fire. So, um, you know, just to be entrusted 
to you know keep some of these artists works alive right. um is dope and is it like when i do a cover or i do an impression or if i do a thing that is uh, an homage to an artist it's always you know with their approval yeah you know what i'm saying yeah um so yeah it's just i feel like it's a blessing to be able to serve that purpose you know yeah and definitely shout out to the legend big pun the legend oh yeah 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 um that super lyrical is an important moment in hip-hop. Yeah. Because I feel like that's the moment that they, that people who was listening to, like, East Coast, New York, mixtape rap, that's the moment that people started taking Black Thought seriously as an MC. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Shout pun, 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 you know, he used to put that stamp on it. Um, you know what I'm saying? He always big me up as his favorite MC. Mm-hmm. Sometimes... I feel like Fat Joe used to like not be wanting him to say that shit. You know what I mean? Like they be doing an interview, they're like, yo, who your who your favorite? And she's in front be like black thought, black thought. I feel like Joe be like, he say black thought one more fucking time. You know what I'm mean? saying? Uh, shout out to Big Punch. Shout out to Sean C. Shout out because, to Sean um, C. Because I've heard that it's Sean C that even made that play happen. Yeah, yeah, Sean C who's also here. You know um, what I mean? I feel like people sleep on Sean C. Yeah. And I feel like Sean C has been integral to your career. Absolutely. So I wanted to give you a chance to speak on that. Um, you know, well, first of all, Sean C and his, his partner LV, they have a production team called Grind Music. Um, but they're also just known as Sean C and LV. And LV right. was D, uh, was Big Pun's DJ. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when he was a kid, he was DJing for Big Pun and Sean C was carrying Pun's records. Um, so there's that connection, you know what I'm saying? Just of, they come from that same cloth of people who appreciate the same aesthetic that I do. And when you talk about the lineage of those of us who came after Rakim, it's those of us who began to embrace our voices as more, um, uh, you know, just instrumental. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We started to utilize our, our voices and rhymes and write lyrics and the cadence that was more more instrumental, you know what right. I'm saying, than people who came before. That first generation, you know, the public enemies and Run and Beastie Boys yeah, yeah, yeah. and the whole first wave of, you know, the Def Jam founding sort of class, it was always about super projection and yelling, you know what I'm saying? And like that there it sort is. Of, right, yeah, that menacing sort of presence, yeah. you know what I mean? LL Cool J is hard as hell, you know? Right. Um, and Ra was the first one that really came out and just definitively said that he was going to be the polar opposite and, you know, just go to the other extreme. And that was because of his, uh, you know, he came up with a brother who's a serious jazz musician and with other musicians mm-hmm. in his family. And um, so, yeah, he just had a different approach. That was his process. But, yeah, we sort of, de- we're a derivative of that. Right. Now, is there anybody here who um, went to Philly High School for creative and performing arts? No? Oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> Now that's where you met Chris Oh, I think Love, we right? got, we got, yeah, somebody over here from Kappa. Okay, where the... Oh. Oh, okay. Okay, so he didn't even go there. Yeah, I went, <laughs> um, I went to a, a completely different school. You met Quest Love there? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Quest Love, by the way. Um, got the Quest Love t-shirt. Quest Love yeah. Supreme, my competing podcast. How dare you wear that shirt? <laughs> um, talk to us a little bit about what Quest Love means to music, to Philadelphia, and to you. Um, you know, Quest Love is is the is the gatekeeper of of the soul of of you know all things musical. He's always been a musical um, historian. You know what I'm saying? He didn't. He was never any person other than the person that you see today on The Tonight Show and the person that you see as a musical director and as a curator mm-hmm. and a TV film, but he's always moved in that same way. So even as a kid, when I was, you know, just still trying to figure out what I was going to do, you know what I mean? The, um, I looked at just art in general at that time as just something I was sort of doing on the side um, and just being immersed in an environment where I got to see, you know, Amir sort of be Amir mm-hmm. on the regular um, it was it just compelled me in a way that made me, I damn near changed my major. I used to cut my classes and rush my projects to completion so I could go and kick it in their classes. But I mean, right. it wasn't just, it was a mirror, but it was also, it was a Mel LaRue. It was, you know, Joe DeFrancesco, Christian McBride, Boyce II Men. It was just right. something in the water at that time in that school that, um, yeah, just, it really just set me on a different trajectory, you know? Yeah, man. Um, I'm glad y'all met. Yeah, you me know, too. I remember <laughs> when I got... Uh, I got, you know, Organics was making the rounds and Do, uh, Do, Do You Want More came out and my roommate got mad at me for how much I was playing it. We got an argument. He threw it out the window. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is, I have a personal history with this. Wow, record. you should have fucked him up. 
we got some things later, but um, you know, Illadelph Half-Life comes out. Um, we got some Illadelph Half-Life fans. Um, shout out to Scott Storch. Yes, yes. Very sir. important Absolutely. aspect of the roots at that time. Absolutely. Um, on this record, you introduced Bahamadia. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Bahamadia. Shout out to Ursula Rucker. Yes. Shout out to Rafael Sadiq, who was on the single. Yes. Right? Now, I just recently did Drink Champs with Nori and Black, Black Star and, um, and Yasin and, and Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. And Nori asked us on Drink Champs about the roots. Okay. And he said, when What They Do came out and that video came out, do you feel like the roots was dissing gangster rappers? Yeah. And I, was, I had to think about it because that's not how I felt. Yeah. But I imagine if I'm someone like Nori, you know what I'm saying? Right. I might, I might feel a way. So I want to pose that question to you since he posed it to me. Yeah, I mean, nah, we weren't dissing. First of all, I mean, gangster rap. Like, what is that? You right. know what I'm saying? Like, right. no, I don't, Capone and Noriega, I, is, I wouldn't consider that gangster rap. But whatever, you know, everything that was taking place during that point in time, um, you know, in, in, in music had become just so, you know, uh, uh, predictable. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was more, uh, you know, we did that, the song and then ultimately the video just as a, as a satire. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was something that was meant to be received really as, um, you know, as, 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 as comedy. Right. Um, but I mean, funny. you know, yeah, if you happen to be one of the cats who did all the shit that we <laughs> said people always be doing in the right. video, then you probably felt the way. So, but there was that. <laughs> there was that, but it wasn't, you know, it, we absolutely didn't intend to, you know, for anybody to take any offense. But there was one scene in that video where, um, in the video for the song, What They Do, which is what we're kind of mm-hmm. talking about, where um, the director had me, he just sort of dropped me into a, a, a replica, a duplicate of a scene from somebody else's bi- video. And it was, uh, it was a big joint. Right. So, yeah, I think it was from, like, maybe One More Chance. Or, uh, it was from one of the Biggie videos where the whole set, the bed, everything, like, looked exactly like his video. So Big, um, he really was offended by mm. uh, what they do, like, by the video. Really? Because he was, he was rocking with the song, and then he saw the video, and he was, like, devastated. Because Big was a huge Roots fan. Um, uh, Silent Treatment was his shit. When I right. met Big, he bust out, started singing Silent Treatment. Um, you know, Junior Mafia, Lil' Kim, anybody that was big, adjacent, or associated, always really, you know, was supportive of the roots. So when yeah. that joint came out, he, he, he was hurt. He felt like, you know, we were sort of dissing, like we had dissed him, like after he bigged us yeah. up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was, that was one of the things that sort of came from that whole what they do. And it was wild, because we were living in London by the time it came out, so we didn't have, um, we never got a chance to resolve the issue, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, at least not face-to-face, you know what I mean? Yeah, for me as a fan, what they do was making fun of fake gangsters. Yeah. Industry yeah. gangsters. People who was putting on this gangster image to sell a product for yeah. music business. When I think of Nori, Nori spent a lot of time in jail as a, as a juvenile. Biggie, Biggie is well-documented. His street uh, escapades are well-documented. Yeah. So me as a fan, I never took it like he was dissing people like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's interesting, though. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Big was like, yo, you know, Roots dissed me. And then, you know... Shout out to Mike Monroe, who's a barber who cut me today because you got to get a cut when you come to Philly. And he said he went to college with you. Yeah. And as he was cutting, he asked me what I think about drill music. Okay. And he asked me about, oh, this drill, drill music and how drill is, you know, these kids are killing it. And me as an artist, it's hard for me to swallow that music is the cause of of something without taking in the societal factors. Like when Dr. King says... You know, don't ask me about riot. A riot is the language of the un- unheard. I'm not going to condemn a riot without condemning the societal factors that lead to the riot. But then Absolutely. when I was when I was getting into the venue, the security guard said, Kwali, I like you because I'm sick of this drill music. And it mm. got me to thinking, it's like, well, what was different from the drill music and the gangster rappers of our day? Nothing. And the gangster rappers of our day, it seems to me, like from that video, there was a lot more of people pretending and putting on an image. Oh, right, now yeah. it seems like people have been influenced to the point where people are using the music. There's not a lot of respect for the art. Gangsters back in the day listen to soul music or yeah. separated from the art. Yeah, that's, like, the, that's, the, that, art that's the original trap music. Yeah, soul music. Yeah, that's the original <laughs> trap, original drill. 
But I want to get your take on this being that people in Philadelphia keep asking me about drill music. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I don't really understand it. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, I don't, I don't think it's being created. You know, they're not making it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that, um, I still feel like it's, it, there's space for it to exist. Mm-hmm. Because there was a time where, you know, people who are my age now didn't understand what I was doing. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, like lest we forget, like, niggas is 50. That's right. You know what I mean? Right. We on, we on a, yeah, get yeah. off my lawn. So, you know, get off my lawn, you crazy right. kids. With that crazy drill music. Right. So, you know, my, for instance, you know, I have, you know, 16, 17 year olds and they, you know, they love it and they understand it. They get it. Um, I think, you know, the best that I can do is, you know, just try and ask as many questions as possible. Yes. Stay informed. I I sort of get my information. My drill experience comes, you know, at this point through my children. That's, you know, how I understand it. Now let's talk about one of the best pieces of music ever created all time. Things fall apart. It's named after Chinua Chebby book by the same name. If you are pro-black and conscious and grew up in that way, you know about this book. Um, we get introduced. This album is very big for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. We get introduced to Jill Scott on this album. Yeah. We get introduced to Beanie Siegel on this album. Mm-hmm. We get introduced to, the, to Eve on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, you Got Me becomes a huge, 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 beautiful representation for hip-hop. Yeah. But for me, personally... Act two, The Love of My Life. This is the first song that made me shed a tear. Wow. And I want to thank you for making this record. Wow, thank you. This record, Act Two, if you don't know it, go listen to it. It's in a lineage, right? It's in a lineage because it starts with Common, I Used to Love Her. Mm -hmm. And on, on, on Universe at War, you say, I used to love her, but, you know what I'm saying? And then we come with Act Two, The Love of My Life. And then the song takes on a new meaning because... It becomes part of the inspiration for this movie, Brown Sugar. Yeah. And people talk about, how about in that era when Brown Sugar was out, every interview you did, people like, so, when did hip-hop become the love of your life? <laughs> Lazy fucking journalism. Um, that first verse, the anticipation of rose as time froze. I stepped off the stage with my eyes closed and dove into the deep cosmos. The impact was back the first... I'm like, I'm like, fuck Shakespeare. <laughs> um, shout out to Common, shout out to Zap Mama. Absolutely. Shout out to Larry Gold. That's Larry yeah. Gold on those strings? Yeah, yeah, um, Larry Gold, legendary, you know, on cello, but he wrote those string arrangements. Yeah. Um, tell me about making that song. Um, Love of My Life, man. You know, again, we did it in that same studio uh, where we recorded... Gorilla Monsoon rap. And, right. And, you know, what was that? Platinum, uh, Platinum that? Island. Platinum yeah. Island, yeah, on Broadway. Kenduro Studios. Yeah, yep, Kenduro back in the day. I wanted to write something again, man. I, I, I can't speak, you know, I can't say it too many times, um, the whole timelessness. I don't want, you know, my art to feel dated. Right. So I remember that day going in there intentionally wanting to write a song that, I mean, I feel like if it's not broke, don't fix it. I think Common had done such a brilliant job with, you know, I used to love her. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to, you know, do something that was, okay, I'm going to personify hip-hop in the same way. But I wanted to be, yeah, part of that lineage and comparable. Um, but, yeah, you know, for me, in the process, it's, the whole, it's, it's a challenge to try and, you know, create something that is going to conjure up as much imagery as, as possible. Yeah. So that was one of those things. It was like, you know, how can I you know, write something that's so dramatic that, you know, it's, it's transportive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Beautiful record. Thank you for writing that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank that man. Thank that man. Now we get to phrenology, right? Yeah. And I'm on phrenology twice. Thank you for that. Um, we hear Cody Chestnut. A lot of people hear Cody Chestnut for the first Mm -hmm, time mm -hmm. on the seed. Um, this is a brilliant record. This rep, my, my, one of my favorite records of, of yours all time is Quills, produced by Kareem yeah, Riggins. Yeah, yeah. That's almost like a perfect hip-hop record, right? And that's because this originally was Masterpiece Theater, right? Originally was your solo record, right? Yeah, yeah. That song, Quills, um, uh, probably eight or nine songs that wound up on Phrenology were part of uh, a, a, a record that I was working on called mm-hmm. Masterpiece Theater. Yeah, like yeah. my first, the original solo Black Thought album. Right. You know? 
Um, for me, the most important song on that record is Water. Oh, yeah, yeah. In addition to Water being an incredible piece of music and breaks the boundaries of what hip-hop can be, it's an ode to Malik B. Yeah. Rest in peace to Malik B. Absolutely. Um, slacks, as they call them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very deep, very personal, very emotional. Amir goes off in the end. It sounds like wailing and crying. Um, is there anything that you want to share about Malik B and his legacy that you haven't shared? Um, I mean, you know, if anything, I would just like to speak to, I mean, I guess his genius. You know what I'm saying? Like Malik was, he was a Basquiat of sorts, you know? Just a brilliantly gifted and, and just super talented artist. But, you know, he was an artist like to the core, you know yeah. what I mean? In the way that, you know, so many other artists that we know sort of are. And um, and he was, you know, he was South Philly and, you know, uptown to, to the core. And, uh, you know, there were elements in his life that appealed to him a lot more than, you know, than music. Especially yeah. when it started to get serious and, it, you know, it became a job. And he started to, have, you know, the whole traveling around and, you know, on the road as an emerging as an emerging artist is different from, uh, you know, the way we travel and what the accommodations are now, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he wanted to be out. But um, Malik is so brilliant, man, that, you know, he really he never really realized how much he influenced other artists. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a when you when you think about the state properties of the world and, you know, Chris Beans and 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 Petey and just their influence on the whole game at that right. time, you know what I'm saying? Jay-Z was the pinnacle. He was, you know, he was whole. He was whole yeah. back then. But I, I was here to sort of see how much they influenced whole. You know That's what I'm right. saying? So just to see that influence firsthand and to know that Malik was the father of a lot of that, you know, just That's whole that like, lineage. Yeah, a way that, you know, folks have sort of, decided to create this cadence that's based on a cadence of a cadence that's based on something that Malik, you know, created in his mind. And I was always able to see that and sort of track it, and I would try and point it out to him, you know. Um, but, you know, Cats, Cats, you know, and if you ask Beans, he'll tell you. And when I, the, when I, in, in that song, Water, I talk about, you know, lyrics written all over your walls, you know what I mean? Like they made a paper, and that's what Malik's room was. That's mm. when I say he was like Basquiat in that. Like the, the his room was mm. his canvas that was right. his notebook literally rhymes going all down the door and on the ceiling and on the west mm. far wherever he could reach there were bars in the mm. in this room at the time that i that i wrote that song wow yeah that's powerful thank you for sharing yeah. rest in peace malik b let's talk a little bit about funk master flex and that freestyle yeah yeah one of the greatest moments in hip-hop as far as lyricism Funkmaster Flex called me and apologized to me personally. What, what do you mean? He said, Quiet didn't know. I didn't know. He said, when you and when Blackstar and you and the Roots was out, they was trying to get me to play y'all records, but I was so focused on what was in the club. Yeah. I was focused on what was going to make hip-hop more mainstream. This is what he said to me. Yeah. He said, I wasn't paying attention to lyrics like I should have. Okay. And so when Black Thought came up here, it made me realize I should have been supporting y'all more often. Wow, yeah, Motherfucking yeah. right. And I I'm mean, somebody, right. Flex is somebody yeah. I, I go back with. I know, I know Flex before I got famous, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tell me about your mind state going into that freestyle. Um, mind state going into that freestyle, yeah. I never felt supported by Flex, you know what I mean? And you know, that explains it, you know what right. I mean? But I never really sought out that approval or that support either. Like the Roots, yeah, we took a different route. Um, so in that, you know, and maybe a couple years, really, before I did that freestyle, Flex um, just started reaching out to me, you know what I'm saying? Being like, yo, if y'all got any events in New York, anything you want me to pop up and spin that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll just come and rock with y'all. And he started opening up for us. So we and I, I got to add on to that. Yeah. And I, I, again, I, I used to work for Flex before I got into the music business as an MC. Yeah. He did the same thing. He would come to my shows and open for free. Yeah, exactly. So that's what he to did. pay it forward. Right, so that's what he did, you know? And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a stand-up dude, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? If I, don't, if I don't rock with you, I don't rock with you. But he sort of, you know what I mean? He started to, 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 to wear, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, I started to, to, to fuck with Flex. And yeah. He developed a, a real rapport where we hitting each other back and forth. So it became, you know, like, when you gonna come down? You know what I'm saying? They've been asking for you. Um, in that, I, I, I got a lot always 
sort of popping, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just going on. So it was still, it took maybe another eight, nine months before I could find a time that worked um, to go and, 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 and get it done. But because, uh, damn, as I recall, it was like maybe like 15, 16 degrees outside. <laughs> we right. had, uh, it was one, it was a Thursday that we haven't had, did two Tonight Show tapings. Mm -hmm. So I'd already worked twice that day. And then it was like, you know, go go to do this flex thing. So I got in there and, um, yeah, I was just trying to get out. You know what I'm saying? My sister had the car running outside. <laughs> he I said the car there. was running outside. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we we talked a little bit about Philly hip-hop. And, you know, there, we, there was an attempt at an interview. But right. I was visibly just ready to, you know what I mean, like, right. get busy. So I was just like, yo, put the beat on. And I think, you know, for me... I took my in-ears, you know what I mean? I, I use the in-ear monitors on stage when I perform, and I use them, you know, on, on Fallon and stuff. And uh, I'm just you able to hear just better, just, you know what I mean, more nuance and detail. And Yeah, man, I got to get the right mold. I got very tiny ear holes. Yeah, yeah, man. So sorry, work sorry, me. bro. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, nah. Uh, so, yeah, I was just trying to get out of there, man. So um, I had my in-ears. And also, I didn't want to go with the big Beats joints on because I wasn't getting the bag from Beats. So <laughs> right. I, I, I right. was in there. I was ready to throw something over the Chirac logos. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, I went and I, I just made it do what it did. And it was really just about getting out of there in, like, 15 minutes. So that's, that's what I did. You called me right after that. Oh, shit. Do you remember you calling me? You called I me. I don't. And you was like, yo, I just ripped Flex down, like, and he was like, yo. <laughs> he was like, niggas is hitting me up. <laughs> I was like, you ain't know? Yeah. Um, after that, you put out, in like two years, you put out like five records in two years after. It's like, the dam broke open after that. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think, do you think that had to do with the fact to, to got you to the point where you like, okay, now it's time for that first Black Thought solo record? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, seize the moment. You know what I mean? Like, it's about just, you know, maximizing whatever the potential of, of the momentum that you got going sort of is. So for me, yeah, at that time, at the end of 2017, that was that was huge. That, you know, was one of the biggest moments of my career. And it was right. just on the humble. Right. So, yeah, what you going to do? Like, I, if you really that, if you really like that. It, and it's crazy because I would, I go see Black Thought in a studio and he'll play two hours of new music that I've never heard. Yeah, yeah. He's like, this is the Ninth Wonder album. Yes, sir. This is the Salam Remy album. This is my play. Yeah. The fuck? Yeah. Um, shout out to Ninth Wonder, by the way. Um, yep. Streams of Thought, yep. Volume yep. 1 is an amazing record. Thank you. Um, 215 is such a special record. Yes. Like, you was already seen as the GOAT, but on certain songs on these Streams of Thoughts, you just... Got to do it. You got to do it. You yeah, know? man. Recipes to Lena Hubbard. Absolutely. AKA Hub. Absolutely. West Philadelphia Zone. Can we talk a little bit about his legacy and how he's such an integral part of what the roots created? What what Hub brought, you know, to the roots was just the whole professionalism of okay. it all. You know? Um, we were kids, Hub was already a grown ass man. Right. He was, you know what I mean? Like Hub was 35 when we signed the record deal. I was like 19. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, we just learned a lot about how to move, how, you know, just what to shop for when you about to travel. What's the first things you got to check for when you arrive in a new country mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, you know, how to get your laundry done on the road, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, when he first started rocking with us, it was the whole professionalism of it all just because... Um, you know, the Hub was, he, he was like, yo, I get what I get. You know what I mean? I charge what I charge. If y'all can afford me, then y'all gonna have bass tonight. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we Hub might be charging us like 450. We making like 375 for the gig and gotta right. put in, like I mean, so, you know, just so we can right. have that bass. But um, the OGs he, know they worth. Yeah, he, he became an integral part of the band in that it was, you know, it lent credence and validity to what we were doing. You know I mean, because we were kids and it was sort of haphazard. And when Hub, who was a grown man, would show up with the upright bass and the Kente cloth fucking joint on. Right. You know what I'm Like, that, that got us through the door, you know what I mean? Right. A lot of places. So, and this was during a time where we were very intentional 
um, on appearing as all things to all people. That's yeah. how we got gigs. That's, you know, that's how we ate. So if you needed a band for whatever, and we say, yeah, that's cool. That's, that's what we do. Right. No and, doubt. you know, just the fact that we had Hub, um, yeah, that sort of you put a stamp on a lot of that. No doubt. Rest in peace yeah. to Hub. Yeah. Um, another masterpiece is the uh, record with Danger Mouse, Cheat Codes. Mm, thank um, you. Fans of Cheat Code. Got some MF Doom fans in the house. Got a record with MF Doom on there. That record is haunting and beautiful. Please, it's great. You say Dunzo on that record. Yeah. You got that from Parks and Recs? I don't know where I got the probably. Uh, that's from Parks and Recs. Yeah. That's your NBC family. Yeah. Um, Aquamarine. That's a fucking masterpiece. Thank you. But the song I want to talk about is Identical Death. Because you say what's blocking my chakra, chronic caffeine and vodka. That's such a powerful bar for me because without telling too much of your business... I've known you for a long time. Yeah. Tariq Trotter, the type of dude to show up, a bottle of Patron in one hand, a bottle of Rosé in the other hand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we used to get it in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I've seen your journey. What if I ain't want nobody to know that I, like, <laughs> yeah. Used to. Right, right, right. But I've seen you go from, go from doing whatever you had to do to get by yeah. to living almost like a monk's life, almost like a very meditative life. Yeah. And I just wanted you to speak to the audience and give them some advice on that, on that tip. I think discipline is, is huge and it's just super important. And I think it's important to continue to, you know, just to test yourself, you know what I mean? Just um, make sure that you're making the right decisions in life. When I start to feel like anything, you know, just starts, starts to take precedence over my art, over my family, you know what I mean? Um, then, yeah, then it's time to just, I guess, reassess, reevaluate. Yeah. So, yeah, I go through sometimes years at a time where I don't take a sip or a puff or, you know, have any coffee or anything. And then, yeah, like, when it's on, it's on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Once again, it's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think, you know, it's just important. It started as something that I would do at the top of the year, you know, maybe, like, you know, again, from about New Year's until now. But I started to come off around Roots Picnic, and then it'll be too much. And I can't really, it's just too, I got heavy lifting to do throughout the festival and that whole right. thing. So I started to ramp back up to, you know, drinking and maybe taking a puff, uh, right. you know, April, May. I did that for a while, like the whole five-month thing, and it became less of a challenge. And I said, well, I wonder if I could do a year. Start doing a year. And okay. then, you know, I just, I, at one point I said, let me see how long I could rock out. And that was almost three years, like two two and three quarters of a year. And that was through the pandemic when we weren't, you know, locked down and all that shit. So. I know, I seen you. I was like... It just, but what it did, it yeah. made me productive yeah. and, and efficient got and all these effective albums. just in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, shout yeah. out to sobriety. Yeah. Clear-headedness. Yeah. Clarity. Um, I did Jimmy Fallon show largely because of The Roots. But also because I'm friends with Jimmy Fallon. I, I went... I did a TV show with him years ago. I did Jimmy Fallon's show largely because you're friends with him. Really? Yeah. I remember when The Roots got off the road and became the Tonight Show band or the Jimmy Fallon band, and there was talk amongst Roots fans of, well, what's that mean for the group? Are we going to get more albums? Like, what does that even mean? They, they got day jobs now? Yeah. And if you've been working, if you're a working musician, for me as a working musician, it made a lot of, a lot of sense. But for fans who, sometimes the fans can be fickle and, and petty and, and selfish. For yeah. fans who just want bars or just want a certain thing, can you talk about what the movement to Jimmy Fallon and Tonight's Show has done for the band? Um, what, you know, the whole transition from Road Warrior to late night television has afforded us as a, as a collective is, you know, just an infrastructure where we have the time and the space to perfect our craft. When you're on the road together, you're together, but yeah. you're on the road together. So the majority of that time is spent getting to and fro. Yeah. You know, um, but spending yeah. money too. And spending money, you know what I mean? But yeah, when you're there, we're at the Tonight Show, we have a space, we can record, you know, whenever, anything, whenever. And um, we're together, you know what I mean? Creating, playing music together every day, mm -hmm. even if it's not original music, right? Mm -hmm. We're learning shit, we're performing together, and that just Building makes bridges, you... Yeah, it just, but it, it, it creates a different sort of tightness amongst us just as a unit that um, is infectious and is, you know, is transcendent, you know what no I mean? Doubt. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for your time and energy. I have one more question. Okay. 
Give it up for Black Thought. It's a hero's welcome right there. That's a hero's welcome. Thank you, thank you. Yes, indeed. I got one more question because you got more podcasters coming and more exciting content coming. But this last question I want to dedicate to the memory of Rich Nichols. Okay. Rich Nichols was somebody who, not just for the roots, but for all of us, trying to resist that neo-soul label. Yeah. You know, at that time, coming into this business, he helped build us up and he helped take care of us and he helped give us clarity and vision. And for people who don't know what Rich Nichols' impact on the roots was, I was wondering if you could break that down. Um, Rich was the brains of this operation, you know what I'm saying, for the, from the beginning. You know what I'm saying? He was the day one visionary that really, you know, instilled within us the ability to even just see beyond ourselves and beyond the room that we were in at that point in time, and just to think bigger, just to think on a more grand scale. And again, I always talk about, you know, crossing disciplines and just applying my creative energy, my creative I, my sense of, you know, how to put something together into other spaces. And he was the first person that really embraced that. And um, I mean, he almost, like that was the rule. If you wanted to be part of the Roots Collective, you had to be a multi-hyphenate even back then, right? When we, you know, when, before being a multi-hyphenate was sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. And the idea just uh, to, to challenge yourself, you know? Sometimes I would write a verse, um, and, you know, think it was the greatest shit in the world. I come, I kick it to Rich, and he'd be like, <laughs> you know? So no just doubt. the whole, you know, the work ethic, where we set the bar for ourselves. Um, there's a line in one of these songs that I say, well, I say, based on where I set the bar, I made it hard for myself. Mm. But that's really, that's Rich. You know, he made us just ninjas, you know what I mean? Jedis in, in a different way. You know, and it just, it really, it informs the collaborative process, too. You know, now. In everything that we do. I'm not married to any idea, you know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna right. take it personal if something that I thought of that I thought might work doesn't necessarily work for, you know, like the grand scheme or the bigger project, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna be able to continue to spitball and ideate, um, you know what I'm saying? Just coming from a place of creative reason. But yeah, Rich, this was his, this was his vision. It was his vision for us to, you know, be doing film and TV and to be directing and producing and to be doing musical theater and to be doing this shit, so. Yeah, shout out to Rich Nichols. Shout out to Rich Nichols. Ladies and gentlemen. Nigga hit me with all the tear jerkers today, man. <laughs> we love Rich Nichols. Word is bond. And we love you, Black Thought. We love you. Ladies and gentlemen, show your love for the Fifth Dynasty Zone. The legendary Roots Crew Zone. Mr. Tariq Trotter, Black Thought from the Roots Crew. Oh, Fuck me up. Jump down, jump down.